Amen. The last time we were together, we talked about aiming for the target of God's will for us, the bullseye, which is loving God and loving one another. Uh, we have this series we've been starting. It, uh, we started a while back. If you're just joining us, called Love One Another. I think we can all agree that we need love, right? We need more love. I don't know about you, but I can always, I'm always looking for an opportunity to be encouraged as well as to give encouragement. Jesus calls this the most important or the weightier things. Jesus talks about this in his passage over in Matthew 23, verse 23. He said, Jesus focused on the more important things of the heart. If you have neglected the more important matters, which is justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You see, the Pharisees were sacrificial. They gave. They, they did all the things they were supposed to, but they were missing the heart of why. And Jesus pointed to the most important thing, which was to show justice, to show mercy, to show faithfulness. Jesus wanted to focus on the relationships. And we see also that when it comes to the matter of relationships, God puts it in such high regard that he, he says that it's, it's important second only to loving me with all your being. I want you to love each other that way. And we see here in Matthew 22, verse 37, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. How important is loving one another to God? It's super important, right? He says, the second thing, I want you to remember, love me with all your being and love your neighbor with all your being. If we could do those two things, life would be beautiful. Right? Life would be amazing if everybody bought into this. And so, the last time we talked about fellowshipping with one another. We talked about how fellowship is more than just coming to church on Sunday, showing up to house church on, during the middle of the week, or coming to our missing services. It's about being involved in each other's lives. It's about being connected on a personal level, on a, on a, on a, a more intimate level with one another. That's what fellowship is. It's, fellows in one ship. We're all in the same boat together. We're encouraging each other, right? But today, I want to look at another of the one another's. I want to talk about encouraging one another. How many of us need encouragement? If you don't, just give it a few hours. <laughs> On your way home, you'll be like, I need some encouragement. Yesterday, I need some encouragement. Now, I want to say, I, I do want to preface this by saying the first should go to for encouragement is God himself. We need to make that a habit. That when we're going through something that we need encouragement, we turn to God in prayer first and ask God to encourage our soul. I used to feel like that, that I shouldn't ask God for encouragement. That was being selfish. But the more I read my Bible, the more I see other examples, especially through the Psalms, where David is basically crying out in more ways than one, encourage my soul. And I think it's a humble thing to put ourselves before God and say, I need encouragement, Lord. I don't have courage in this area. I don't feel faithful about this. I don't feel, I don't feel confident about this. Encourage me. And these are prayers that God will answer immediately. So I am waiting for someone to encourage me because I had some bad news yesterday. And I'm like, Lord, I just need some encouragement. So I'll be looking forward to that service. I think we need encouragement more that we realize. 
sometimes we underestimate our need for encouragement. Four through those. Literally means to call to one side. Literally means to call 
as you're walking down, like David says in Psalm 23, the valley of shadow and death, you might fear some of that evil that he talks about. So when you feel that, you call someone to walk with you down that valley until you feel the courage to go the rest of the way by yourself. It literally means to call someone to your side, to summon, to appeal, to urge, to push. Sometimes you need a push in the right direction, right? Sometimes you need to be pushed to do something. I know sometimes my wife pushes me to do things, and I'm like, woman, I got enough on my plate. She said, yeah, but they will be encouraged if you were there. Go ahead and do it. You spiritual man of God, you. And she literally pushed me out the door. Sometimes she pushed me out the car. I'm like, can we stop first? The car's still going. But she pushes, she urges, she encourages. Sometimes we need to plead with people. Please, think about what you're about to do. Think about it. And sometimes we just need some comfort and cheering up. You know, God has a plan to encourage those of us who feel Pluto. And it involves each of us. God's plan involves each of us. So there are three key passages that I want to look at today that can help us encourage one another in this area. The first one is Hebrews 3, verses 12 and 13. It says, See to it, brothers, that none of you, God doesn't want any one of us to miss being encouraged. Or have a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage one another how often? Daily. As long as it's called today. Now, it doesn't mean you need to encourage the same person every day. To encourage, we got over 300 disciples and we need to encourage somebody. You know, there's a big room, we got a lot of people. Choose somebody. You can literally take seven people and decide, I'm going to encourage seven people this week. You already did it. It's not impossible. As long as it's called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Doesn't this sound like one of those more important matters Jesus talked about in Matthew 23? He says, see to it. To see to it. That none of you, God doesn't want any of his sheep to stray away and to be left out, fending for themselves, fighting on wolves, running from wolves, running from the predators. God wants us all to be saved. And encourage, and he wants us all to take part in encouraging each other. You know, what is this pastor saying to you personally? What is it saying to you personally? And I get the sense that this is not a once-a-week thing right here, but it, it, it involves real involvement in each other's lives. Because in order to encourage somebody, you gotta know what they're going through. And so, if, if you don't know what a person's going through, then you really can't encourage them, right? You gotta know what is it you're afraid of, what is it you're going through, what is it you're struggling with, because I want to be able to give you courage. I think we often underestimate the power and deceitfulness of our sin. Sin is powerful. And right here, the Hebrew writer says it's also deceitful. It can lead us into thinking we're better off than we actually are. Or that we're stronger than we are. Or 
than we actually are. Sometimes sin can deceive us into thinking that we'll never grow. We'll never get over this. We'll never conquer this thing in our character. See, sin works both ways. It can overinflate our ego, and then it can cause us to be uh, uh, self-doubters and, and have a low self-esteem about ourselves and steal away our confidence. And we need someone to put that courage we once had back into our lives. But that means people need to know what's going on. You know, that's why I said speak to it, not hope that it happens. Or pray for someone else to call them. You know, it's like seeing somebody, somebody needing help and they're crying out for help and they're like, I hope somebody helps them out. That's not seeing to it. That's why in, in, in some emergency situations, they say instead of crying out for help, say fire. Because people will run to aid someone in a fire more so than they would say help someone that's crying out for help. Isn't that crazy how we think? So if someone is asking, help, people will like, man, I hope somebody helps you. But we cry out, fire, fire. It's like we run to it because maybe we think, well, I'll run to help them because I'm not helping but whatever gets you to action, maybe we need to cry out fire. See to it. Who is he talking about? You. You. You and I. Now let me ask you a question. And be honest. You don't have to say anything. You don't have to raise any areas. Just, just ask yourself this question. Do you believe that this passage really means David? Hey, did you watch the game? Like, who is this? I'm talking like 
your brothers and sisters to get encouraged and to give encouragement. I would stay in fellowship. I would talk to people. I would try to soak up as much encouragement as I could because I knew I had to go back to work. And I would need encouragement. And when you're with people who are not walking with God most of the day, you cannot tell me. And you don't need a word of encouragement by the end of the day. Sometimes, dirt. I think the hardest passage is calling us to meet up as often as you can make it happen. It fits perfectly with Hebrews 3. Encourage one another daily. Now, obviously, it doesn't mean you skip churches because you had coffee with somebody. It still means emphasizing the importance of people being in our lives, especially spiritual people. Let me underline, highlight, underscore that. we got to be around spiritual people if we want to be spiritual people. And so the amount of time we spend with each other is valuable. It's valuable. Now, I've got to be honest. There is a growing, I'm concerned about this growing acceptance of not getting together. And allowing other things to crowd out our times with each other. If this is important to God, then it has to be important to us. It's important to God for a reason. It's in the Bible for a reason. And I believe that some of us have got to reevaluate our convictions on meeting together. And ask ourselves the honest question, have I been hardened by sin's deceitfulness in this family? You know, I'll be honest with you. There was a time when my wife and I would travel, and we'd go on vacation, and I'd be like, look, we got to go to over there to church. We got to make sure that we can go to midweek, and we're going to be going all week, and we're going to be there for Sunday. There was a time... I was like, hey, we go to Libby, we go to Libby, and I'm on vacation. I work hard all week. I preach every week. It was a time I wrestled with that. I'm just being honest. It happens. The longer you've been around, sometimes the more distance you want, especially if you serve a lot, if you give a lot, I tell you the story that I used to go to Pennsylvania for Christmas. I'm like, I want to be preached too. Brother's like, hey, I, I knew you were coming. I'd ask you to preach. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and it took me a while before I really got that I was being selfish. And that I was being hard by sin and deceitfulness. I was being deceived in the thing that, yeah, I need to be encouraged. But that small church who was led by volunteers who hadn't had a, a, a message by an evangelist all year had an opportunity had an evangelist in their midst and he's sitting there like preach it bro come on pray to go I had to repent but you know what? I didn't see it. 
mercy. I'm glad that there's no Chick-fil-A in Harlem or anywhere near me. I'd be big, I'd be twice the size of that. That special sauce is special, right? But you know what I really like and respect about Chick-fil-A is that they, they, they're closed on Sundays. And do you know why they're closed on Sundays? Because the owner said, Sundays is for church and for spending time with your family. They did it. And that is their policy. Spend, go to church and spend time with your family. That's, that's the reason. It's not because of expenses or, or any, anything. It's because they value time together. How much more should we make those solid statements? I am, a, I, I, I'm going to be with my brothers regardless. This will take precedence. Because this is, this is how important it is to me, to them, and to God. The point is not to just show up. Not to just show up. But it's to give to each other whenever we're around each other. You know, and I, I think this is so encouraging because I see a lot of you do this. A lot of you are examples in this area. I think you need to be held up. Some of you vacation together. You go and take family vacations together. I, you know, I remember Desmond and, 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 and uh, Manny went to Hawaii together. And I'm thinking, that's so cool that they invite me, but it's all good. It's all good. I used to cite the bed. I cite the man. I knew about the plans. I didn't get an invite. Fine. I had to ask the brother to bring me get the cards back. He wasn't planning to do anything. Anyway, I got a lot of, I got a lot of work to do. But you have family meals together. Some of you have family meals together. That's meeting together. That's an example. You serve together. You know, we serve the poor together. We serve each other together. That's meeting together. You celebrate together. The birth of your children, the birthdays, and birthday parties, and you know, all the stuff I see singles posting on, you know, our sister Malika had a, a, a music uh, a reveal, and, and there were people there celebrating with her, meeting together, influencing the people that she's trying to, that's all meeting together. If you're tired of being around each other and you only come to church on Sunday, something is not right. Like, I see you every weekend. You only here for a couple of hours and you leave right away anyway. So that's not really meeting together. That's showing up and embracing us with your presence, but nobody even knew you were here. We got to be more involved in each other's lives. Loving each other, encouraging each other, building each other up, as in fact we're doing. And lastly, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 18. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. Right here, Paul is encouraging the church about the second coming of Jesus. He said, you know, Jesus is coming. It's going to be a glorious event. We're all going to be caught up with him in heaven. And he just wanted the disciples to encourage each other with words of substance, words that had content, words that had meaning and weight to it. It wasn't just a pat on the back of flattery talk. Paul's words had substance. 
And I think when we encourage each other, we got to make sure that our words have weight to it. That it's going to really stick to the heart of the person we're trying to encourage. You know, encouragement needs to be more than just a pat on the back. Hey, bro, you're not. It's got to be more than that. It's got to be, oh, you're awesome. You're great. God is the only one that's awesome. Let's remember that first of all. But it's got to be deeper than that. Because we're trying to put courage back into someone that is lacking courage. That little pat on the back ain't going to get me from, ain't going to get me out the door. More or less down the block. I need some depth. I need some biblical conscience. Something spurred on by the Spirit. Something that's going to carry me through. We see an example with this with Jesus. And Peter, in Luke chapter 22, in verse 31, says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to shift you, sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail, and when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. Now this example has all the characteristics of encouraging your brother. Look at this, the emotional appeal, Simon, Simon. You know, Jesus was endearing himself to Peter. He went back to the name. He went back to, to Simon's government. He called him Simon, Simon. He didn't call him Peter. Remember, Jesus gave Simon the name Peter. But he, he endured. He wanted to connect to the real. He said, Simon, Simon. Like, this is important. I need you to listen to this. He said, Satan has asked to sit you and weep. And then we see here the walking alongside. You know, I pray for you that your, your faith may not fail. Sometimes we don't see the tracks that Satan has laid out for us, but some people, it's as clear as day. And if we have them walking alongside of us, and if they're making this appeal, James, James, I need you to listen. I need you to listen. When you're asking to say, Satan got a trap out there for you. And I'm not talking about some, 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 you know, assumptions or I'm talking about it is clear. The decision that this person is about to make, the direction this person is heading, you can clearly see how Satan is about to trip them up. And then he goes on and he says, he puts courage into him. He says, when you have turned back, he lets them know you're going to make it through this. You're going to make it through this. And when you do, that same courage I gave you, gives you a love. See, encouragement is like faith. Not for us to teach ourselves. It's meant for us to give away and to share with others. When you receive encouragement, and you're, you're back on your feet, now you look for someone else to strengthen. And that's Jesus gives us that example. And we need to imitate that example. We need to imitate that example. Jesus encouraged Peter, and then he expected him to go back when the time came for him to encourage his brother. And that's exactly what Peter did. How about you? Who has God put on your heart to encourage? Sometimes you need to really think about the words you're about to share to make sure that they are going to meet that need. And that takes listening. So what the needs are before we speak. Sometimes we don't see those trials that Satan has laid out 
out for us. And it may be crystal clear to others. But the question is, will you let them encourage you? Will you let yourself be encouraged? You know, Peter had no idea about the severe trials that they had. But Jesus did. And he did something that I believe we need to do more of in the church. Jesus did not pray for Peter's trials to be taken away. He prayed for his faith to not fail him during the trial. I think sometimes we hinder growth in others by praying for their trials to be taken away. You don't believe me, read 1 Peter. Jesus could have prevented a lot of things from happening. But he allowed people to go through so that their faith could grow. So that their faith would be strengthened. You know, I thank God now that all the trials I've gone through, he allowed me to go through. And he did not take them away. And let me tell you, I've begged you to I've reasoned for hours, for days. God, take it away. I can't handle it. And God, I'm there. I'll walk with you through it. I'll walk alongside you. But we've got to go through Because the joy you're going to receive on the end is more powerful than the trial you're going through right now. We want our faith to be sure. We want our faith to be strong, but it has to be tested. And I think instead of asking God to take away our brothers and sisters' trials, we need to ask God, God, help them to persevere through it. Help them to endure it. Help their faith to not fail them. And we need to not let each other walk away from these trials. Because you never know what God's plan is for your life. You know, if Peter hadn't gone through that, that time of sifting, maybe he wouldn't have been able to strengthen his brother. You read first, the whole first Peter is about what? Enduring the trials. Enduring the suffering. Peter got it. And it's because Jesus let him go through. But he walked with him. He encouraged him. He inspired him. And Jesus did not pat Peter on the back. You know, it is God, it's God's will that we are encouraged every day. He wants you and I to see to it. Sometimes we think that, you know, my life is just messed up. I, my, my, my life is, I got too many bad, bad chapters in my life. I got too many, too many uh, uh, messed up moments in my story. Let me tell you something. Your book is still being written. And I love this quote by Idris Elba. Just one bad chapter doesn't mean that your story is over. In other words, God is not through with you yet. Just because you have one bad chapter doesn't mean 
And we need to be there to encourage one another. You know, I love this song, and I want to close the words to a song by Bill Withers. You guys know what I'm talking about. Lean on, Lean on me. me. Sometimes in our lives, we all have pain. Have a version we all have sorrow. But if we are wise, we know that there's always tomorrow. Lean on me. When you're not strong, and I'll be your friend, I'll help you. Come on. For it won't be long till I'm going to need somebody to lean on. Now please, swallow your pride. If you have things that you need to borrow, for no one can fill those of your needs that you won't let show. Just call on me, brother. When you need a hand, we all need 